friends. My name is Sarah. I'm the co-lead pastor here. We're in our series, In Focus, digging into what really uh, we're all about, kind of what makes us us uh, as a church. Uh, our mission, our vision is as we follow Jesus together, and it really is all about following Jesus together, as we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, we create a multicultural community, and we pursue kingdom of God justice. So I want to talk about that first one today. We experience the Holy Spirit. Now, experiencing the Holy Spirit, um, it's not just about an experience like warm, fuzzy feelings, uh, amazing God stories, words and visions, though that, that's part of it and that, that's good. It's not just about experiencing for the sake of experiencing. It's about experiencing because there is an effect. We believe that that when we follow Jesus, we experience the uh, the effects of, of the Holy Spirit. That God is not silent or, or, or passive. God may be in, invisible, but his his action is noticeable, observable, real, concrete, and effective in us and uh, in the people and in the, the surrounding communities uh, around us. I think for me, growing up, I didn't um, come from a super like church uh, background, but I remember as a, as a young kid praying, praying to God, it never really occurred to me that like God was distant or, or far off. As I prayed to God, I didn't think that, you know, God wouldn't hear or maybe he wouldn't act like, I just assumed that God heard, that my prayers mattered, that God cared, that God would would uh, intervene in on my behalf, that God was not passive or silent or, or far away. And maybe some of you growing up, you, you didn't experience things like that. You maybe thought that God was indeed silent or far off or passive or not interested. Um, and if that's the case, I'm sorry. The God we see in the Bible is very active and effective. And we can experience him. I remember growing up, I had a cousin who was uh, adopted, um, and one leg was longer than the other, and um, it really did not seem to hinder her at all. Uh, we would come over, and uh, she'd be like, "Hey, Uncle Dale and Aunt Leah and Sarah, and Katie, and Stephen, we have to show them the whole dance video from my son." I'm like. I mean, even as a nine-year-old with limited screen time, I was not super enthusiastic about watching her her dance videos, but there she'd be, you know, one leg a little bit longer, a little bit of a limp, you know, tiny bit lopsided, enjoying life. Um, but she did at one point have to have a body cast over her whole body, which was seemed way, way worse uh, than her physical uh, problem. She had to spend a, a good part of one summer um, in a body cast um, and did continue um, with this this small limp and then when she was probably 13 14 she was at uh, her Lutheran church um, at a, a youth group and uh, some of the teens other uh, kids prayed for her and I don't know what happened but the legs just kind of kind of evened out and I remember as a teenager thinking like who are these other teenagers who pray for her? Like being very impressed with these other teenagers. Um, but even from a, a, a not, you know, Pentecostal or charismatic church background, um, those experiences with my cousin, those experiences just praying quietly to God in my, in, in my bunk bed, uh, as, as a young child, I knew God heard, God cared, God loved, and God wanted to interact 
in my life and that's very consistent with what I have since discovered in graduate school uh, consistent with the theology of the Bible all throughout our growth goal we'll be talking about it uh, for a while this spring and summer is hearing God's voice recognizing God's voice that God speaks to us he interacts in our lives we have a loving Heavenly Father who does not give us the silent treatment who wants to guide help encourage convict speak to his kids um, so the Holy Spirit is very real and active and we want to lean into experiencing that together we've got a great passage this morning first let's lean into God's presence in prayer and then we're going to study uh, this word Lord God this morning I pray that we would all have a deeper um, awareness the reality of your love for us everything spiritually everything theologically everything faith-based is because of your great love for us we would not have the Bible if you did not want to love and communicate with us we would not have a church if you had not called and formed and shaped and guided people to love and care for each other we would have nothing spiritual to go on if you did not move and speak to us. It's all because of your love, Jesus. We orient ourselves this morning. We stop. We pause. We let our hearts and minds be turned to your love this morning. Through your scripture. Would your scripture be foundational for us? Would our thoughts and feelings um, be changed our beliefs be changed, who we are be changed by what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for praying together, friends. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. So this is John's account of his life, his experiences with Jesus. Uh, they're at the festival, the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, big event. Um, and this is John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Hey, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So we're at the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. This is a um, big Jewish festival. Uh, many, many people were gathered for it. And every day what they would do is they would go to the, po the pool of Siloam and they would gather water and they would process back to the temple and then they would uh, pour out the water um, in the morning um, libations. And uh, this was like the best Part. People had a saying that if you had not been um, to, to the water pouring um, from the Pool of Siloam, the, this pr process, you had not experienced real joy. I don't know if you have a best part of maybe game day, maybe another holiday, like, ah, uh, this is just my favorite part when dad brings out the turkey, my favorite part when we light up the tree, my favorite part when we sing this or, or do that. But this was the best 
part and they're pouring out the water and processing and singing and then Jesus stands up and shouts because I think there's a lot else going on. He had to, he had to shout. He's like, hey, you see all this life-giving water. You, you're here rejoicing in what only God can do. Well, good news. It's your lucky day. I am here. I can give you living water. I can satisfy you. If anyone wants this best water, come, come to me. Drink, receive your full, you know, fill up. It's the climax, not just of this, this uh, festival. It's the climax of God's plan. The summation of Jesus' death and resurrection. It's the invitation that's thrown out all throughout Scripture to come to Jesus and to receive the Holy Spirit. But as we see, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given when Jesus actually said that because he had not died and rose again. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, which will come after his death. Jesus had to die to give us his inheritance. Jesus had to complete uh, his work before the Holy Spirit shows up to tell everybody about Jesus's work. You know, the Spirit's favorite topic is Jesus. The biggest event for the Spirit is Jesus's death and resurrection. If the Holy Spirit has a day circled on his calendar. It is. It's the Easter weekend. He loves talking about what Jesus has done. The, the Holy Spirit just says, you know, have you heard about Jesus? My other like 100% third distinct triplet of the Trinity. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about how much he loves you. He loves you enough to, to die for you. It's the Holy Spirit's favorite topic, favorite person, favorite event, favorite thing ever. So we receive the Holy Spirit after Jesus' death and resurrection. It's just part and parcel of Jesus' plan for us. When Jesus' work is complete, we see his heart. You know, his heart of love shown so clearly uh, in his death, laying down his life for his friends. In the darkness of his death, we see the light of his love. His heart is shown. And from his heart, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit is uh, just flowing from God's heart of love for us, God's sacrifice for us, uh, God's work um, in the cross and resurrection. The Holy Spirit isn't a, a fun, extra, additional, like gold star to the Christian life. You know, you're extra spiritual. You're going to get uh, the Holy Spirit. It's integral, connected to Jesus's death and resurrection. Jesus died and rose again to give us the Holy Spirit. We can't we can't say like, sorry, I would just prefer just, just the basic salvation package. I'm going to take salvation for, for heaven, not, not this whole spiritual thing for earth. It doesn't work that way. And friends, you know, our church could be described in some different theological terms, maybe charismatic or something like that. I don't care about being charismatic. I know I am now the co-lead pastor of this church. I do not care about being charismatic, Pentecostal, anything like that. I care about being fully Trinitarian and worshiping God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, the author Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God, saying that many Christians, you know, we have God the Father, you know, the creator, the, the big boss, you know, and then we have Jesus, the one who has redeemed us, cross, resurrection, the whole symbol of our faith. But we often forget the Holy Spirit. 
I do not care about any other theological labels, but I care deeply about worshiping God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, he stands up and he says, uh, come to me. Anyone who is thirsty, anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart, meaning the Holy Spirit who would be given when Jesus entered into his glory. You know, water. What's he talking about with water? Um, water as all throughout the scripture connected with the desire for for God with the life was fulfilled the God life God himself in Jeremiah is called the spring of living water uh, in the Psalms the the prayer poems of scripture um, the psalmist will say things like oh God you are my God I thirst for you as in a dry and weary land uh, where there is no water you're you're what I search for you're my desire and throughout the Psalms, throughout the prayer poems in the Bible, um, people talk about finding God in the temple, having their thirst quenched uh, in the temple. What Jesus is saying is that your deepest desire for God, He's the temple, He's the place, the source where our deepest thirsts are quenched. He says, Come to me and I will satisfy you. In offering a, a river of living water flowing from his heart, flowing from his love, flowing from who he is, Jesus is saying that he is the fulfillment of God's promises. He has, has fulfilled the age to come, has arrived in Jesus Christ. Just as water, a river flowed from the Garden of Eden, um, that imagery from the place of God's original purpose and design flows a life-giving uh, a river. The prophet Ezekiel had had this vision, had this crazy uh, vision in Ezekiel 47 where he sees a temple and water flowing from the temple. You know, where's it coming from? It's just this building is producing water and it gets deeper the farther and farther you go, right? It isn't like gushing out and then by the time you reach Main Street, you know, it's uh, reduced to a trickle. It gets more and more the farther and farther you go from the temple, seeing the source uh, of God as being this great life-giving river. Revelations, the final vision of what God will do when he restores everything, says that there is a river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb, the source throughout scriptures, always the temple, always God. And it's a river, not a pond or a lake or pool or spring, because it moves. It, it, we receive and we give. It flows. Um, it's not stagnant. Um, we receive from God and we give it out to others. And all of this, Jesus is saying, is based on him. His work his work for us. When we believe, we come and experience. It's the climax of God's plan. It's the summation of Jesus' death and resurrection. It's the invitation tossed out all throughout Scripture to come to Jesus and receive the Spirit. To come. To come. So often we think like, well, you know, if it's really the Holy Spirit, if he wants to do something, of course, it will be spiritual and, and dramatic. He will surprise me with a vision, perhaps a trance. It will be lifted bodily into the streets to perform healings and miracles. If it's really spiritual, then the Spirit will do all the work. 
I mean, sure, but that's not what Jesus says here. He says, you come, you drink. It's not, we, we don't stand back and say, well, if it's spiritual, God will make me, right? We come. We say, yes, I want this, Jesus. I want to come to you. I am thirsty. I need you. And I will come. I will present myself before you, Jesus. It is all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. Receiving the Holy Spirit is all about coming to Jesus. Our friend and our helper, the one who has entered into human life with us, Jesus of Nazareth, God with us. We come to Jesus. And from him, we receive the Holy Spirit. If we are thirsty, if we're thirsty, you know, my kids do not particularly like water. Water and milk are about the only two beverages we have in our household. And it is amazing how often they ask for something other than water. What do you think I have gotten in the last 24 hours from, you know, it's like, hmm. Do we have any juice? No. Coke? When have we had Coke in the last year, right? Like, um, how about, it is a good thing that I don't have like a, a wine co- case or anything like that. They're like, mmm, how about this beverage? Anything other than water. My, uh, my sister, her, her little boy, when he was like two, became obsessed with juice. And he was convinced that his mom had juice somewhere, somewhere in the house. And uh, he found the lemon juice and was like, nope, nope, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been looking for. Finally, my sister just let him drink some of the lemon juice. Like, fine, go ahead, buddy. You're this obsessed with juice. Go ahead. My kids also don't care for water. My seven-year-old, ah, oh, I'm tired. And how, how many drinks more? No, no, goodness, it has not come to that yet. Except after a long day of playing in the playground, when she has reached her end, take a bottle of water. I mean, she will just drink it back the entirety. Done in like four seconds. Insert a ginormous belt, and then she'll be like, got any more, mom? And she'll go through like two more bottles. It is amazing how much she can drink when she is truly thirsty. Friends, I hope that you and I can have some more spiritual maturity than my seven-year-old that we can be more in touch with our needs, our needs for Jesus, our desire for the things of God, our desire to be with Jesus, our deep need for the Holy Spirit speaking and guiding and presence with us. Outside of moments of great and crushing thirst and need. I think what Jesus is saying to us here, should move us to be thirsty, to examine our thirst and say, hey, are we thirsty for the things of God? Or are are we filling up with other things saying, hey, you know, I'm actually, I'm fine to watch TV. Um, I'll, I'll call this person. I'll do that. I will work 
and uh, exercise and uh, self-care, nothing against self-care, nothing against TV, but I'll fill myself up with other things and not uh, engage in healthy uh, filling of my thirst, not be in touch with those places in my heart that want God. So I ask you this morning, friends, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for Jesus? Do you want Jesus? Do you want God? Do you want living water? The presence of God, life uh, uh, fulfilled deep. What do we really want? Is there a desire in us for the things of God that propels us to Jesus? To Jesus, who gives us the Holy Spirit. Friends, uh, let's pray together. Um, and like, uh, I know it's online, um, and you guys are couch, car, where, wherever you're at. But let's take a minute. You know, you can be with friends. You can be uh, in a public space uh, and just quiet your heart and your attention and presence. And let the, the, the things in our life that cause thirst in us. Because I know that everyone has the broken relationships, desires, wants, longing. Our innate child of Godness that should draw us to our Father. To let that thirst rise. To let that rise to the surface. And then to come to Jesus with that. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray for an increase of our thirst and our desire for you, Jesus. Would we not be satisfied temporarily with other things? Would we have childlike hearts that say, I want my Heavenly Father. Would we not be distracted by, by little things? Would we be spiritually mature and regularly coming to drink? I pray right now for everyone listening for a greater infilling of the Holy Spirit right now. We come to you, Jesus. We come to you, Jesus. Jesus in your love, Jesus in your compassion, Jesus in your forgiveness, Jesus in your glory. And from your heart, your heart of love, we receive the life, the fullness, the abundance of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, as we drink, uh, would it be effective and an experience that we partake in and are changed in, transformed in? Jesus, I pray right now uh, that you would be touching people's hearts, touching soft, vulnerable places, hard, hurt places. 
that we would have a real revelation of your love, that we would see you more clearly, that we would know who you are as our Heavenly Father, we would experience you, God, that we would be changed. In Jesus' name.